work so we actually gonna continue talking about shadows of Golgotha and that is pictures of the cross in the Old Testament today is sermon 25 I want you to say that uh, sermon 25 and next week we're gonna talk uh, have an Easter message because it's Easter and then the week after that's when we're gonna close up um, the day of atonement Yom Kippur so this is our second week in it and we still have one more week to go uh, I need your brains with me today it's gonna be a little bit uh, difficult but it's gonna be a lot of fun so focus with me we're gonna go through a lot of materials but it's gonna be a lot of fun amen, amen. so um, today last week we started talking about the day of atonement we talked about an introduction uh, kind of give you an idea what's going on then we talked about the rituals of the day of atonement and then we talked about how uh, the high priest in that day is a picture of Christ our high priest who entered into the holy place as um, as, uh, as the one who to perform salvation for us. Amen? Amen. Let's just go over the rituals real quick so you know what's going on. Uh, it's one day on the seventh month, on the tenth day of every year. That's the one day where the high priest goes into the very holy of holies to offer a sacrifice to atone for the sin of the whole nation. Amen? Remember the high priest doesn't, when he goes all the way into the holy of holies, he wears pure linen, he takes off the garment of glory, and he wears just something very simple, white, goes all the way in. Micah, sweetie, you need to sit down. Um, Mike, I sit down, sweetie. Can you sit down? Okay, you need to go out. Wayne, can you uh, tell Katrina to come or if you can oh. take him? Okay, well, got it. Um, so he wears all white and he goes into the very of holy of holies. It's okay, Micah. He goes into the very holy of holies. No, it's all right. It's okay. He goes into the very Holy of Holies one time, once a year, to sacrifice, to offer an atonement for the sins of the whole nation. Amen? And uh, if you remember, we said that he goes inside the Holy of Holies twice. The first time for himself, and then the second time he goes in for the sin of the nations. The first time he goes in with the blood of a bull, correct, if you remember, as his own sin offering. But when it comes to the people, they set aside two kids of goats and they cast a lot we're gonna read about that today and one they set it aside for the Lord and one they set it aside for Azazel or a scapegoat we're gonna try to look into that today and then the goat that they set aside for the Lord that's the one they slaughter as a sin offering and Aaron takes the blood of that sin offering for Israel and go inside the very Holy of Holies the second time on the same day amen so again the Holy of Holies the high priest enter there enter there one day a week but he entered there twice unlike Jesus who entered there only once amen because Jesus didn't need to offer sin, sacrifices for his own sin so um, every time Aaron goes inside the Holy of Holies he sprinkled the blood seven times on top and before in front of the mercy seat and that's how he atones for the sins of the people and after that he comes out and he just cleanses himself wash himself again and just put back on the garments of glory and that's pretty much the rituals of uh, the day of atonement so that Aaron can atone for the sins of the people 
I want to highlight again that scripture in Hebrews 9.12 at the very top of your notes. Um, Hebrews 9.12, the author of Hebrews say about Jesus that he did not enter by as a high priest by means of, bloods and of blood of goats and cows like the Old Testament high priest, but he entered the holy place once for all by his own blood obtaining eternal redemption. And we talked about this last week. What the author of Hebrews is telling us here is this. Both the high priest and the sacrifice of that day of atonement is a picture of Christ. Amen? You guys see that in the part that it says, He entered as our high priest into the most holy place once and for all, but not with blood of goats and cows like the Old Testament high priest, but by his own blood. So in a way, the high priest going inside the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament with blood of goats and cows in his hand, the author of Hebrews saying that's a picture of Christ who entered inside the Holy of Holies as our high priest, but Jesus did not get in to the Holy of Holies, to heaven itself with other blood, blood of another sacrifice, but with his own blood. You guys see that? So both the high priest and the sacrifice of the day of atonement are pictures of Golgotha, are picture of the salvation that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Last week we talked about how the high priest is a picture. We talked about the similarities and the shortcoming of the Old Testament high priest when it comes to Christ. Now we're going to focus on the actual sacrifice and see how these two goats, we're going to focus on these two goats, are um, types of Christ and his death for us on the, cross, on the cross. So, in the Day of Atonement, there are three different sacrifices that are being offered. The first kind is the daily morning and evening burnt offering. You guys remember we talked about this in the past. God said that no matter what day of the year, you have to offer a burnt offering in the morning, burns 12 hours till the evening, and then in the evening, once the fire is about to fade, you just put a new one, evening sacrifice that burns all the way to the morning. Therefore, on the, uh, on the altar of the burnt offering in the yard of the tabernacle, there is fire 24-7 before God. Amen? So remember in the day of atonement, no exception. So the morning offering and the evening offering are still the same. On top of that, God commanded that there should be some festive sacrifices that is being offered on that day as well. So remember that's one of the feasts as well um, that the children of Israel celebrated. And there was special sacrifices just associated with that day because it's a feast. Of these sacrifices, read about in Numbers 29 from 7 to 11. This includes a ram for a burnt offering for the high priest and the priesthood, as well as a bullock, a ram, as seven lambs with their meal offering and a kid of goat for a sin offering. These are just additional sacrifices because it's a feast. And then the third kind of offering is the atoning offering. And these are a bull for the high priest and a ram for his burnt offering, if you remember from last week. And then on top of that, there is the two goats that God used or used in that day of atonement just to cover up the sins, to atone the sins of the people. All in all, there is 15 sacrifices being offered on that day before the Lord. Amen? A lot of blood. Amen? You get the point? If you want to be atoned before God, there has to be blood. Amen?
And remember the high priest wear this white linen cloth only, only when he goes into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the bull to atone for his own sacrifices, for his own sin, and the blood of the goat to atone for the sins of the people, right? But whenever he offered any of the other sacrifices, he wears his regular glorious uh, uh, garment that, he, that we read about in Exodus 28 with all the stones and all the precious gold in it that is just an, an art of beauty. Amen? So imagine yourself being the high priest that day. You're pretty busy. You wear your garments on you to offer the, burning, the morning burning sacrifice, the glory garments offer the morning sacrifice. Then you have to change to go inside the Holy of Holies, get out, wash, put the other garments to do the, the, the glory garments to offer the, the festive sacrifices. Go in again and go out. So you pretty much wash a lot, change your clothes a lot as a high priest on that day because each sacrifice you offer it with certain set of clothes and each time you have to wash. Busy day for the high priest. Amen? Amen. Now, today we're just going to focus on these atoning sacrifices, right? And we said that these atoning sacrifices on that day consist of the bull for the high priest as a sin offering, and then the two goats. Uh, one, they're going to be running away with the sins of the people. We're going to read about that. And the other one that Aaron used its blood to enter into the very holy of holies. Amen? The sin offering, we talked about that in details a few weeks ago. Whether it's the goat that is being slaughtered to use its blood to atone for the people or the bull for Aaron himself. So let's read about this and we're going to focus particularly on these two goats because that's kind of like the different, the new thing that we have not never talked about before in the past. Amen? So that's what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to read different parts from Leviticus 16. We're going to start from verse 7. Um, we're going to read random verses here and there. Now God is speaking and he said, He, that's Aaron, shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So just notice how these two goats pretty much are being treated the same. They both are being presented at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. We're going to talk about that. This is, verse 8 is pretty key on what we're going to be talking about today. Verse 9, And Aaron shall bring the goat in which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat, he shall be presented alive before the Lord. To make atonement upon it, okay, and to let it go as a scapegoat in the wilderness. Verse 15, then he, shall, um, then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil, that's the Holy of Holies, do with it, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat seven times. Um, we know that when we read about the bull. Verse 16, so he shall make atonement for that holy place. You see again from last week, it's synonymous, atoning for the people, atoning for the holy place is pretty much the same thing. Because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Verse 20, and when he shall make an, an end for the atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the life goat. Now this is the special part, the special ceremony of that day. He shall bring the life goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the life goat, confess over all their iniquities of the children of people and all their transgression concerning all their sins, put 
putting them on the head of the goat, like he lay it on the goat, and he shall send it away into the wilderness by a hand of a suitable man. Verse 22. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness, and he who released the goat as a scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. He need to wash before he come in. And the bowl the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought to make atonement into the very holy place, the holy of holies, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall be burned with fire. Their skin, their flesh, and their offal, everything should be burned up. We, The last part, we talked about that before, when we talked about how we're sanctified by the blood of Christ. Remember? Hebrews 13, it says that... The same way that the sacrifices that its blood used to be entered into the holy place are burned outside the camp, so Christ himself suffered outside the camp. That's why Jesus was crucified out of Jerusalem, right, on Mount Calvary, to type that. And outside of Jerusalem, that's where the sin offering bodies were burned, and that's where Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God outside the camp on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now... Obviously, we see these two goats, they serve two different purposes, right? One, they have two goats, they set them aside, they cast a lot. One is for the Lord, the other one is for Azazel or a scapegoat, what that means we're going to talk about in a second. And then, the one that is being killed, the sin offering, they use the blood so they can go inside the Holy of Holies. And we say that the purpose of the blood of the goat is to atone or for propitiation for the sin of the people, right? We talked about that last week and we said that the word propitiation is like this. It's when a holy God is angry because of the sin of the people and his wrath is ignited. And then there is something that, un that eases up the wrath of a holy and a righteous God because of sin. And that is the very purpose of the first goat. The blood goes inside the holy of holies. They sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And when that blood is being sprinkled on the mercy seat, then God who angry because of the sin of the people his wrath was satisfied and now he's able to forgive those who have sinned. Amen? And that's obviously a picture of Christ who is our propitiation on the cross and by his blood he took upon himself the wrath of God so now we can be forgiven. But now let's move on to the second goat. The second goat is waiting outside throughout the ceremony, right? He's just waiting before the Lord. And then when the whole ceremony is done, almost the day is over, then Aaron comes out and he lays both his hands on that goat and he confesses all the sins of the people and he releases that goat and that carries the sins of the people into the wilderness and no one will ever see that goat once again. Amen? So that's in a way is a picture of what Jesus has done with our sins. Once Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood to offset the wrath of God over our sins, he did something else as well to us. He took our sins away from us and now it is gone as far away from us as absolutely possibly can be. And now we are absolutely forgiven before a holy and a righteous God and our sins are so departed from us just as we see in that good that carries the sins and goes into the wilderness and nobody sees it anymore. Amen? We see multiple examples of that in Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has the Lord has removed our transgressions from us. Amen? Amen. 
When do the East and the West and the West met? They usually don't, right? One one way, the other the other way. They, they will never meet. So the Lord did to our sins. They as far away from us as ever possible, and we'll never see it again. Hallelujah. Amen. Micah 7 19 he will again have compassion on us and he will subdue our iniquities he will cast all our sins where into the depth of the sea back then nobody has submarines or anything like that to go into the depth of the sea amen the point is these sins are gone once and for all and you will never see them again amen and it's all because of the power that is in the blood of Jesus, which is not just subsidized the wrath of God over our sins, but because of that blood, we can have forgiveness once and for all, and God doesn't see our sins anymore. Amen? So that is the, the main point of these two goats. But let's try to dig deeper into that goat that runs away, because it's a very unique, um, a very unique ceremony. So what does that mean uh, specifically? Let's dig deeper into that. Let's look into the basics about these two goats, and then we're going to uh, focus a little bit more on the uh, Azazel goat. A couple of things that we know clear to us from the scripture about these two goats. Number one, both goats are sin offering. We read about that in verse 5. So, it's not like one of these goats is offered to God, and the other is offered to the people or to anybody else. They're both, in a way, sin offering to the Lord. Amen? They both belong to God in one way or shape or form. Number two, in a way we know also that these two goats are like intertwined with each other. They're not to be separated from each other. In a way, they're two sides of the same exact coin. Amen? Because they're all sin offering. They both stay before the Lord. One is being slaughtered and the other one just take the sins away. So they're both kind of two sides to the same coin. Um, we read in number two, we read that both of them were presented at the gate of the tabernacle before the Lord. Uh, it says that the living goat was presented alive before the Lord as well. So they're both sin offering. They're both presented before the Lord as well. So there is no indication that that scapegoat is a sacrifice or a ritual that has anything to do with any other form of God. Amen? They're all both for the Lord. The function of the life goat is explicitly stated in verses 20 to 22, which is to completely remove the sins of the children of Israel. This is, this is the foundation for what is this goat doing that we know clearly from reading Leviticus 16. Amen? Now, let's look a little bit closer into verse 8, because that's the interesting part. It says, Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and one lot for the scapegoat. Now, the expression, that last part, for the scapegoat, that last part of verse 8, okay? Literally, we can read it like this from Hebrew, for Azazel. In Hebrew, la azazel. It's the word la is for, and then there's that strange word azazel that we never read anywhere else in the whole Bible except in Leviticus chapter 16. Okay? So that word was mentioned four times, but they're all in Leviticus chapter 16. And we never read that word anywhere else in the whole Bible. So that makes it definitely very hard to try to understand what is precisely the intentions of God and the intentions of um, Leviticus to, to understand what that word means. Amen? So bear with me. We're going to go through different options of what that word means. I need your brains with me. If you're not going to bring it, might as well check out right now, okay? <laughs> we, we need your brains. We're going to think through this together. So what does that word mean? 
Again, it's difficult because there's no other reference to it in the Bible. So, you know, we're just going to try to to understand it purely, not by comparing it to other any other text in the scripture. Um, three major, actually four major options, what that word means. But um, three kind of like makes sense. The fourth one is pretty weak. It's not even worth mentioning. But let's dig into it. The first one is, um, it refers to a thing, namely the life goat. So, they say that the word Azazel here can be broken into two words, as and Azel. As means goat, and then Azel is to go away. So, literally, they say that this word here means a scapegoat. Literally, that's what they say. Or a departing goat. That's the first translation or the first meaning behind it. There's some pros to that um, understanding. There's some good points for it. Number one is the view held by the Septuagint, the, Lord, the, Lord, the symbolism LXX, that is the Greek translation of the Old Testament before Christ. Okay, So that gives us a pretty solid idea of what the Jews before Christ understood about the text. You guys follow me? That's just their own understanding on it. This is how they translate it to Greek. But... Not always accurate, but still pretty solid reference for us to look into all the time. Amen? So, um, the Septuagint, the Greek translation, the Vulgate, I think that's the Latin translation, they all had that word translated as scapegoat. Even in our English language, King James, New American Standard Bible, and the NIV, they all translate that word as a scapegoat. I have the utmost respect to the NIV translation. I think they always go behind the meaning and they nail it for the most of the time. So for me personally, to see the NIV going with that, that puts a lot of weight. For me personally, it puts a lot of weight behind it. It might be true, right? That's just my personal take on it. I just admire the NIV translation in so many ways. But um, So that's what's going on good for that meaning. The, the bad thing about it is if we translate that word as a scapegoat, then verse 8 will be off. It's just not going to make much sense to us. Because think about it. Verse 8 read this. Then Aaron shall cast lots between the two goats. One goes to Yahweh. That's a proper name of God, right? And the other one goes to a scapegoat. Now a scapegoat is not a proper name of anybody, right? It's just an action. Uh, something that the goat does. So it seems like it, it makes verse 8 of balance. Because it says one lot goes to Mr. X, one lot should go to Mr. Z. That makes sense. It, it makes harmony parallel in that verse if it's two proper names contrasted with each other, right? But if one is the proper name, the other one is an action, it makes verse 8 off as far as that parallelism that should be in it, right? That's the, the, the cons that goes for it. It's not impossible, but it's not ideal. The second option is that the word Azazel in Hebrew here refers mainly to an abstract idea. The idea of the removal of sin. Not to an actual thing, not an actual goat, or nothing in particular, but the idea of removal of sin. Where do they get that from? They get that from because the Arabic word, and I speak Arabic, this is my mother tongue, Azal, which is Azal here, Azal means to remove. So they say, because the Arabic word Azal here means to remove, therefore Azazil, that is, means removal. So it's the concept of removal of sin. It's the abstract idea of removal of sin. Again, some merits to it. I think it's definitely weaker. I mean, I'm also thinking, uh, say Hazal. Hazal. Hazal to... For example, the mother carries her child uh -huh. on the back. Uh -huh. She, uh, we say, has a lot to her. Has a lot, okay. Has a lot. 
Yeah, sure. So maybe this dot is carrying the sin and just maybe. So it definitely has merits to it. Again, I think it's weaker than uh, you know the departing goat or escape goat, the option number one. Again, the problem with it is. Well, the problem with this understanding is we barely see any abstract ideas in the book of Leviticus. Throughout the whole book, to have an abstract idea, that's pretty much not there. We don't see it any, anywhere. Not to mention that, again, you're going to offset the barrel parallelism that should exist in verse 8 when you should supposedly comparing two proper names together. Amen? The, so that's pros and cons. Whatever you like, go for it, but I, uh, I'm not sure. Verse, that third option, it actually refers to a place. So the word Azazel actually refers to the place where the departing goats, the departing goat go. Very weak, nothing really into the Bible to that. I won't even worry about it, but I want to mention it to you guys. Now here is the, number four is the really interesting one. Okay, so let's look into that. And it has all pros, has no cons to that understanding. The idea here is the word Azazel is actually a reference or a proper name of a demon or maybe the devil himself. That is the number four theory. It is really supported by so many good things going for it. Number one, it will balance verse eight. That makes perfect sense for the translation because you cast a lot between two goats. One goes for the Yahweh, the proper name of God, and then the other one goes for Azazel, a proper name of somebody else, right? So verse 8 will flow very smoothly, the parallelism will be like perfect, it just makes verse 8 the best translation possible, that the Bible is contrasting two proper names of two different identities, amen? That's, that's one good thing going for it. The second thing that is going for it is that in the literature between the Old Testament and the New Testament, this is not biblical, this is not God's word per se. Well, maybe it's not God's word, but in the literatures between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we actually read that Azazel is one of the chief demons. It's uh, referenced multiple times in the book of Enoch, which is, again, not canonized, not in the canon, but... It's a good reference book. If you go read it, you'll learn a lot of good stuff. Amen? So, but we read in these books that Azazel is actually a name of a chief demon. So that's pretty good, strong evidence going for it as well. Number three is that goat in the scripture sometimes is a reference of demonic spirits or demons itself. There's multiple reference to that. I uh, included that to you guys if you want to go back and search it. But demon, goat, can be a reference to demon. And number four that is going for it as well is, remember that that goat goes out to the wilderness or the desert and a lot of times in the scripture we see that the wilderness or the desert is abode of the evil spirits. Multiple scriptures. Um, when, when Jesus was attempted where did he go? Wilderness. Wilderness. Why? That's where the devil was, right? Sure. To attempt him. So we read multiple incidences where, uh, where uh, the wilderness is, is, this is the abode of, of Satan. This is the, the realm of his uh, kingdom. So uh, this has a lot of weight to it. But the question that will rise now, if that's the case, if Azazel is actually a name of a demon or even of Satan himself, then what is the Bible actually trying to tell us? How is it that we have two goats, one will go to the Lord, and the other one will, will go to the devil? What does that mean? You guys follow me so far? Alright, so what does that mean? Let's look, dig into that a little bit deeper. The concept here is this. Because of our sin, 
Think about it. Because of our sin, Satan has gained so many rights over us as a human race. Amen? We gave Satan an open door so he can come in and do in so many ways whatever he wants because we chose to sin against God and disobey God. You guys follow me? So, for example, we read that because of our sin, mankind is judicially left by God. Like we're separated from Him, from Allah, judicial point of stand. Where we see that, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world, that's those who are not children of God, are under the control of who? The evil one. So in a way, John was telling us that sinners are under the control of Satan. Judicially, from a law perspective, their sins allowed them, allowed Satan to come and rule over them. And we were part of that as well. You guys follow me? The Bible says that Satan is the ruler of the world, the master of the world. Amen? Satan came, um, the ruler of the world. We read about that in John 14, 30. When Jesus was tempted, this is not in the notes, but when Jesus was tempted, Satan took him to the pinnacle of that temple and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you worship me, what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it to you, right? right? Now, Jesus didn't argue with him that, that he really owned it and he can give it to Christ, right? Jesus didn't point that out to him and say, oh, you don't have it. How can you give it to me, right? But Jesus would say, the problem is not that you own it. The problem is I cannot worship you because worship only belongs to God. You guys see that, right? Um, we see like he came to Christ, he tempted Christ, and because Jesus had no sin, Satan had no authority over Christ. Amen? We read that Satan has the power of death over all men. That's in Hebrews 2.14. We see that because of the fear of death, which is Satan is the king of death, because of the fear of death, we lived all our life in bondage. We read about him that he is the accuser uh, and adversary of God's people multiple times in Job and in uh, Zechariah and in Revelation. Satan is the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. You see guys, over and over and over and over again, the idea is our sin has gave Satan legal right to dominate over us and cause a lot of trouble to us and we in a way are under his control and authority. Amen? So the idea here is this, the idea here is this, the two goats, one will be killed and its blood will go, will be taken inside the very holy of holies and the blood of that sacrifice will atone, listen to me, will atone, will cover once and for all the wrath of a holy and a righteous God on us because of our sins, amen? And the second goat, it will be Cast as a lot into Azazel, and when that God takes our sins away once and for all, by our sins being gone away from us, Satan will lose any authority or any power over our lives. Amen? That might be the very symbolism that the Bible is trying to tell us here in Leviticus 16. You guys follow me? We read about that, that Christ, when he died on the cross, because of his blood, because of his atonement, Satan has lost power over us, over and over and over again. We read, Christ breaks Satan's power over people. Hebrews 2, 14 and 16. Since that children have flesh and blood, that's you and me, he too shared in, in the same manner, so that by his death he might break the power of him who what? Who holds the power of death. Who's that? That is that devil. And what happens after that? And free those who are, you and me, who 
all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. You guys see that? When, when Jesus died on the cross, by death, who broke the power of the one who has the authority of death, and because of that, you and I are free from his power once and for all. Amen? Glory to the name of Christ. This number two, we read that Jesus destroyed the work of the devil in verse John 3 8. Look at this. The one who does what is sinful is of that devil, but for this reason, the Son of for the devil is sinning from the beginning, but for this reason the Son of God has appeared that he might what? Destroy, to crush, to bring it into nothing, the work of the devil. Amen. And when Jesus died on the cross, and because our sins are now forgiven, by default, Satan has lost every authority and every power over us. Amen? Colossians 2.15 And having disarmed as Christ the powers and principalities and the authorities of the devil, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them where? In the cross. When Jesus died, his blood worked for God, atoned for our sins, and now a holy and a righteous God is willing to let his wrath pass over us once and for all. Amen? But also because of the power of his atoning death, sin has been removed from us. We see the picture of that, of the God that goes to the wilderness and never come back. Amen? And because sin has been removed from us once and for all, with it, the power and the authority of Satan has been removed once and for all over every single one of us. Amen? That's good preaching right there. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that is the meaning of these two goods, you know, whatever you understand it, the idea is fundamentally the same. Jesus' death on the cross atoned for our sins and the wages of our sins now has been removed once and for all. But not only the wages has been removed, the sin itself has been removed once and for all. And now God is willing to take us in to be his children. And whatever authority or power Satan has over us has also been removed once and for all. Amen? That's it, you guys. Let's, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Yes, Lord.